and welcome to episode 29 of No Words Music here on progrock.com. And it's a very special episode because I had the opportunity to sit down with one of the greatest musicians I live with, Simon Godfrey, to talk about and play for you the latest release from his Tidehouse project called Kings and Queens in a Small Corner of the World. Tidehouse is just one of the many musical endeavors he has been a part of and is currently involved in these days. You might know him from his days as the former frontman of prog bands Free Fall and Tiny Fish, or perhaps you know him as Shineback, the cinematic electronic outfit going since 2013. Or maybe you're familiar with his current band Tribe of Names, formerly known as Valdez, by their sweet sounds of laid-back epics. Either way, I think we can all agree we all know him best from his most prolific project, Posting on Facebook. Simon, welcome to No Words Music. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> well, thank you for being here. So let's talk about Tide House. First of all, what, you know, I listed um, a laundry list here of projects you, you're in now and have been in the past. So what makes Tide House different from all of them? Well, I wear the project names mostly like clothes. Um, Tribe of Names, uh, formerly Valdez, and Shineback are the collaborative songwriting projects which I do with other people. Mm -hmm. um, and the same goes for um, the Tiny Fish Years as well. Um, I tend to release uh, solo stuff, acoustic stuff, under my own name. Um, and Tidehouse really is the research and development branch, if you will, of, uh, of 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 what I do creatively, it's the most out. Well, I won't say the most out there because I I do tend to concentrate on um, melodic songwriting. But it's the one where I take the most chances, where I try and do as much. Um, uh, and I hate to use a, a a buzzword, but it's sort of like as as much sort of like out of the box thinking as I possibly can and then what I do is once I, I create this music I then apply some of the techniques that I've learned to some of my other projects. So the latest album Kings and Queens in a Small Corner of the World you you just love your long album titles like you're the opposite <laughs> of Peter Gabriel for this album specifically what what were you researching on this one? There are a lot of people out there that have um, uh, written about the lockdown uh, and the the pandemic and I'll be really honest with you I, I think a lot of it is going to lose a huge amount of relevance um, after a certain period of time uh, and you know some people like to write in the moment and it you know resonates and there it is mm -hmm. um, and I started to, uh, to do uh, an album about you know the idea of being isolated, um, totally separate to the idea of lockdown. But it's that whole idea of when you actually have no outside stimulus, you have nothing to grade your work against. You've mm -hmm. got no north pointing compass. Mm -hmm. And it's really, and that's part of the reason why um, so many of my Tidehouse albums have got long titles, because they're they're almost literary explanations about what the album is about and kings and queens in the small corner of the world is 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 you know the ones where um people are the kings of their own domain so that's what this album is is largely about it's allow it's about becoming untethered in a world as only as big as yourself so this album which i'm not going to say again cuz i'll run out of air um <laughs> this is your sixth album under this moniker persona with the first album released exactly three years ago in july of 2019 so if my math is right that's like two albums a year are you just a fast writer or are you hiding from me <laughs> <laughs> there are we all have talents in this world um i am not a great guitarist i'm not a fantastic musician but that's because I tend to concentrate everything on songwriting. Mm -hmm. That's what I want to be. That's what I want to be known for. I want to be a songwriter. Don't want to be a fabulous guitarist. Don't want to be a great, uh, you know, the, the guy that says, oh, he's the best singer in the world. Never wanted to be that. I've only ever wanted to write a good song. And the only way you can get good 
is to write lots of songs. Mm -hmm. And if I have one gift, it's that I'm prolific. I am constantly generating ideas, constantly thinking of things. I mean, when I go out and walk our dog, Manny, and, you know... I'm I'm not looking at the world. I'm not listening to a podcast. I'm songwriting in my head. It's all I want to do, and it's all I, if I'm being honest with you, it's all I can do. You know. Again, no comment. Um, <laughs> Apart no. from the washing up, <laughs> I can do the washing up yes, pretty you can. well. You're you're excellent at that, and I'm sure you're thinking about songs when you're doing that as well. Yes, I am. Right. All right. So last question, because I really want to get to the actual music. Um, and because this show is all about minimizing the word stuff, um, can you tell me in three words, how would you describe what we're going to hear on the track side one? Uh, small worlds. I can do it in four. (laughs) I, (laughs) that's not surprising. Yes. You always want to say more. (laughs) Small worlds writ large. All right. All right. So let's. Let's see, uh, let's hear uh, side one of (gasps) Kings and Queens in a Small Corner of the World.
me more damn television. I don't mean a beach holiday for everyone. Climbing out of the darkness, either. Doesn't mean frantically scrambling to the top of the pile while the sewage rises around the necks of those on the bottom. I'm talking about a long time. Vaulting over the latest things, skyrocketing past the entire lives of the trivials of the flatliners they give us to look at. I'm talking priorities. I'm talking planning. I'm taking my headphones off with the courage to start thinking again. ourselves, let's kick the ass of some of those big things. And stop making those shit old excuses. Maybe I can't do it all. Maybe all I can do is hand you the book. The book where you write down
All right, so I'm back uh-huh. back with Simon. Uh, side one, very chill. I I describe it as a cinematic forest. Full- I, thought, I thought you were going to say cinematic fart there. <laughs> well, not out loud. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, a cinematic forest full full of telephones and typewriters. <laughs> um, so when when you're working in this more ambient space. How much is truly like nascent sound experimentation versus trying to put down what you're hearing in your head? A little, I think it's about 60-40 in favor of the the latter. I always have an idea of what's Mm -hmm. happening in my head, but what I'm actually trying to do is set up um, what um, Brian Eno once described as, as happy accidents. Right. So, you know, you're setting the ground to I mean one of me my favorite things as a songwriter is that sense of being able to surprise yourself and so 40% of that is you know throwing the cards up in the air and let them fall where mm-hmm. they land mm-hmm. uh, with the idea of how to rearrange it and that's one of the difference between your creative side and your craftsman like my creative side is making stuff up mm-hmm. but my craftsman the songwriting craftsman in me, and I'm quoting more of John Lennon, he's talking about there are two sides of you. The craftsman is the guy that's able to, or the girl that's able to put it all together and, and have it make sense. May I venture another quote from Mr. Michael Rutherford said, it's like cooking actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. is I mean, it? it's ingredients and it's a recipe. <laughs> <laughs> So, so side one. As long as that recipe doesn't have beetroot in it. Uh, no. Because you're not. I know you're a little big fan of beetroot. I don't like beetroot. I don't. I don't like beets. They're evil, and they make you think you you have a disease when you go to the bathroom. <laughs> so it's double gross. Okay. Um, so side one also has a, a a very familiar voice, saying a lot of sweary words. Your your uh, your co-pilot, your your co-writer Rob Ramsey and his involvement. Yeah, Robert Ramsey is has been my long-term co-writer. I mean, he's he and I have been writing pretty much since around about two thousand and four mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. Um, initially in the band Tiny Fish, mm-hmm. and he would come out uh, on stage dressed in these very strange costumes, and deliver his spoken word pieces while on stage. It was sort of like a, a little Peter Gabriel-esque nod. Uh, while we while we played, and he's always been an immense uh, creative talent when it comes to writing lyrics and creating spoken word narratives, and you can hear it actually mm-hmm. on uh, the Tiny Fish album, The Big Red Spark, and and I think that's probably one of his crowning achievements oh, is being yeah. able to you know that in that kind of War of the Worlds kind of spoken mm-hmm. word to explain a narrative. Um, and the recording that you hear on on side one is actually from a session that was done in 2004 and I still have all of the, the the spoken word and what he did is we spent an entire day recording all of the spoken word narratives that he'd ever written down in his journals the, in 2004 in 2004 oh wow okay so this dates that that narrative that you hear dates from 2004 and oh. I can even remember the room it was was her uh, and it's the same session which elicits the uh, opening spoken word section for Motorville from the very first um, Tiny Fish album exactly the same day exactly the same session only just a few hours later um, and I have hours of him talking and, and reciting stuff from his journals that he'd written over the years. And that was one of the ones from his journals. Wow. I'm a little creeped out. There's a Rob Ramsey journals <laughs> recording in our house. But I know. okay. Because I know I know Rob would love him. Love you, Rob. But um but that's that's what's interesting. Um well it's good you have that, that bank to go to. I and it's you know. it's it's a treasure trove of mm-hmm. ideas. Mm-hmm. Um and uh, you know, I, I often dip into it if I'm looking for something that um, will change the tone mm. and tenor. And, you know, it's it's not sung, it's spoken word. And some of his phrasing is, is, is quite esoteric, shall we say. Um, and I just felt that it was a great way to round out that first side. Yeah. All right, well, let's, let's move on to side two. I'm going to ask you again, in three words, 
how would you describe what we will hear on side two? Can you do it in three words? Yes, that's a good. Let me think. <laughs> More beats here. All right. More beats here. All right. Well, let's let's check out those And I'm beats. talking about beets, not beetroots. Oh, beet, yes. The, B-E-A-T. The better beets. Yeah. Let's check out those better beets here.
All right, welcome back, my dear listeners. I am here with Simon Godfrey. We just listened to side two of the latest Tide House album, Kings and Queens in a Small Corner of the World. So the, there's two, two tracks on this album, yeah. side one, side two. There is a single that's been culled from it. Oh, as well. and yes, there's a single. So, so tell me about how, how did this turn into the two sides? Um, versus, you know, ten tracks you would or so you would normally yeah. see in a in an album release, and yeah, tell us about the single too. Well, the the, the reason why it's split into two sides again uh, harkens back to what we were talking about earlier with regards to happy accidents. Mm-hmm. It was originally going to be one long piece of music, um, and when it came to um, mastering and uploading the the tracks it would not and i'm talking about specifically band camp here mm-hmm. it would not allow me to do 45 minutes of continuous music certainly not in the format that i had and so i thought to myself well i'll split it into two and that'll be fine but it turns out that was what makes in my personal opinion the whole album special the fact that they are separated into two sides like an old 70s album like a sort of a tangerine dream or a, a Mike Oldfield or something, you know, where where there are these discrete pieces of music which are encapsulated. So they become their own entities, you mm-hmm. know, in much in the same way as, you know, I grew up with vinyl and I, I suspect a lot of people out there are in a similar situation to me. And you tend, if you grew up with vinyl or you listen to vinyl, you tend to think of albums in terms of sides, mm-hmm. you have favourite sides of music. I can say the same thing about, I don't know, Relayer or um, Three Sides Live or, you know, any one mm-hmm. of those. You know, you can have a favourite side, if you will. Um, and as a result, once I realised it was split into two pieces, they both had a very different kind of feel. The very first side is a lot quieter than the second side, mm-hmm. um, which has more beats more beats they did yeah it does and and i noticed the single right that came from it was it all of side two right it's it's the second part of side two i think it's the second if you if you call it sort of like you know embedded track if you will second second movement yeah um which is interesting because that was uh um first time i've ever used a, a hand drum a hang drum which is one of those ones which you hit and you go do 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 it's almost like um um, what would you call them? Uh, those Jamaican um, like a steel ke- drum, yeah, steel drums. Drum. But you play it with your hands instead of uh, mallets. Oh. Oh, okay, yes, I know the part you're thinking of. Um, yeah, the single's great. I will also post that on the No Words Music. Pages. And there's a video as well. And a vit and the video. Based on a dream. A dream. One. Yeah, really old. One dream. of your dreams. Yeah, I had. I I woke up one morning about it was about October of last year. Mm-hmm. Where in the dream I, I was trying to get to a gig 
and there was a street dancer dancing in the street. Was it Mick and, Jagger? No, yeah, <laughs> Mick and Bowie. Yeah. <laughs> Mick and David, uh, no, it was just a street dancer dancing in the street in my dream. And I was captivated because it was like the best dance I'd ever seen. And as with all dreams, I suddenly realised that I was late for the gig. Mm. And the rest of the gig, uh, the rest of the dream was just an anxiety dream of me trying to get to the gig on time. Mm -hmm. Um, So, uh, uh, you know, I did the video as, as a way of pictorially showing you what was happening in the music because you get this the gigs in the middle of that song in the middle of the song yeah so was the was the dream in, did you did the dream inspire any of the songwriting or is it just after you were done and you were thinking of doing the single you thought oh this this concept for a video would work the dream definitely inspired oh, the okay. song Oh, wow, okay. So there's a musical narrative going through there. I mean, if you never knew the story, you would know, you know, it wouldn't affect the, the instrumental because it's an all-instrumental track. Right. But, yeah, in my mind, you can hear it. You can hear me, you know, um, starting off the dream, leaving the house, seeing the dancer, mm-hmm. suddenly realise I'm late. You can hear it picking up pace, and then half halfway through it goes from a sort of, like, staccato-type thing into, into a much more rock yeah. song... And then out into the staccato again. Oh. All right. Well, everyone, check out Simon's stress dream. I, again, I will. I will post it on our on on the No Words Music pages. Um, so, when it comes to just listening to instrumental music, what do you tend to gravitate to? Like, what's your go-to set of bands or, or genres? Very easy. Yeah. Two words: Brian Eno. Mm. There is. Uh, I mean, I've been listening to Brian Eno. I mean, he's, you know, in a, in a lot of ways, from a sort of songwriting perspective, he's my lodestone. He's mm-hmm. my um, my Elvis. The, you know, that he's the the actual deepest part of of the influence that I put him and and Gabriel basically are yeah. the two people that that I, I love. How they both have an immense intuitive talent for sound design, making new sounds making new arrangements mm-hmm. um and when it comes to that kind of music um that i make with tide house those guys are never far from my my thoughts when it comes mm-hmm. to sort of like creative generation um especially brian eno i don't think he really gets enough plaudits um, with regards to sort of like exactly how inventive he's been. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's obviously been there in the background, yeah. producing bands like U2 and 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 you know uh, onwards like um, with uh, a, but you know down at the other end of the you know tiny bands like Cluster back yeah. during the seventies and stuff. And it, I I really love the fact that no job is too big or too small for Brian Eno as long as it's interesting. Exactly. What's your favorite instrumental Eno album? Probably another Green Day. That's not an instrumental album. It is. A, it is. No, it's not. There's yeah. some, no. There's there's lyrics on that album. Is there? Yeah. Oh well, maybe you can go back even further to the No Pussyfooting album that he did with Brian uh, with uh, Robert Fripp. Then Robert Fripp. Okay. I actually don't know that one, so I can't. The, I can't correct you if you're incorrect. Very, it's the very first one, and it contained uh, Frippertronics. Oh, it? right, you right, know, right. Yeah, clouds of sound. Yeah. So that's that's probably a, a one that would definitely be. I there's still really I gravitate back to uh, to uh, another Green Day, uh, and and the I know it sounds you know it sounds silly, but it's the the way he arranges stuff, um, especially mm. on on some of his earlier albums like taking tiger mountain by strategy um and yeah. it's uh, you know, the way he he uses instruments in the way that they were not previously supposed to be used to create new sounds mm-hmm. that's the beginning and ending of all good creativity as far as i'm concerned yeah so what um what's next for you and tide house for, for me and tide house tide house has to sort of like um present itself to me mm-hmm. I don't tend to sort of say I'm going to do another Tidehouse album it's it's largely like a bowel movement you just feel it coming mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know so okay now we're doing Tidehouse yes this is where we are you know and and like a bowel movement I need complete privacy in order <laughs> to write these albums and, and they are sort of like emotional diaries 
I can't wait for your biography, <laughs> your autobiography. <laughs> and and that, that makes sense, given how you approach this project and and its and the, its place in your in your own musical narrative and your it's, own creative process. It's but, playtime for yeah. me. Yeah. So what else? Anything else going on? Um, yeah, at end of this year, we're going to be. Uh, I'm going to be releasing an album with a band called Tribe of Names. Um, which uh, should hopefully be coming out in around about October, November. Okay. Uh, next year, I will be re- releasing the third and what I think to be the final Shineback album uh, with a tentative title of Late Angels. Um, that will be coming out in 2023. Pro- ten years to the year that I released yeah. the first one mm-hmm. as well. So I'm looking forward to that. There may be another EP afterwards because I do have quite a bit of material stacked up, um, which probably won't make the album. I'll oh. stick a couple of bonus tracks on. As well. Save it for the box set. Yeah, people love their box sets. <laughs> Fun fact: our our first Greyhound Dora was named after Dora. Dora, the character of Dora, Dora on the first Shineback album. Shine Back yeah. album. Manny, not so much. That no. was that was Black Books. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> the character Manny from the uh, comedy British comedy series Black Books. Definitely worth a see if mm-hmm. you like really silly, really surreal comedy. Yeah, and you'll get you know once you see the character of Manny on the show, you'll know what kind of creature <laughs> we we share a house with. Simon, thank you so much for uh, for chatting with me. Thanks very much for for letting me on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so. We're just going to wrap it up here. Um, oh, and one other thing. I don't know if I've mentioned this in any other episode, but Simon uh, or composed the intro and outro to the No Words Music Show. Yes, I did. Yes. And that was part of a Shineback project. So thank you. I can tell you here now in front of all of our listeners, thank you for writing such a banging tune. Thank you very much. <laughs> it, it, was a, it was a pleasure to have it played uh, day, a week in and week out on your show. <laughs> 